Welcome to the Heart Soul Wisdom Podcast, a journey of self-discovery and transformation. Moira Sutton and her amazing guests share real-life stories, tools, and strategies to inspire and empower you to create and live your best life. Come along on the journey and finally blast through any fears, obstacles, and challenges that have held you back in the past so you can live your life with the joy, passion, and happiness that you desire. Now, here's your host, Create the Life You Love Empowerment Life Coach, Moira Sutton. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 70, Make Your Life a 10 Using Your Unconscious Mind, with our very special guest, Dr. Stuart Lickman. Stuart is an executive, entrepreneur, researcher, consultant, trainer, and coach. As the president of Partners in Excellence Incorporated, he's guided and run about 100 companies and trained more than 70,000 people around the world. For the past 20 years, he's invested heavily in spreading and sharing his cybernetic trans transposition system, which helps individuals achieve their personal goals by connecting the power of their unconscious mind with their conscious efforts. He runs multiple online training sessions every year, including an annual trainer coach training session that has drawn more than 100 participants who each learn how to use cybernetic transposition to earn $2 million a year. Stuart is a communicator and entrepreneur at heart committed to helping others through not only the life-changing cybernetic transposition, but also his shared vision leadership system, the Super Achiever Coaching Program, the Cybernetic Transposition Trainer Coach Training, and the Super Entrepreneur Training. Wow. (laughs) An online program called How to Get Lots of Money for Anything Fast sold more than 50,000 copies at almost $100 each. His online written resources include The Art of Success, luck and harmony, and the impossible as a matter of course. He is also the co-author with his wife, Gloria Walther, of a four-book series about early childhood development. This is going to be so exciting. So with, without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Stuart Lickman. Welcome, Stuart. Hi. How are you today? I am good, and I was looking. I am looking forward to this, and we're going to have fun. And there's so much that you can share with your wisdom, and I know it comes from your heart and soul with your your Vision Academy and leadership, and just what you brought up to the world and your legacy. So it's a nice way to put it. Yeah, yeah. So Stuart, the core concept of your book, and thank you for the book, "Make Your Life a Ten, which we're going to put into the, the the notes for people. I'm going to encourage them to go get it because there's just so much in there for them to really create the life they love by design and not by default by using this process. And you say in the book that we can achieve those things in our lives that we greatly desire but seem impossible and make our life a perfect 10. Wow, that's quite the statement. I'm so ready to dive in. So Stuart, how does the unconscious mind run our lives and and that our conscious minds are basically just spectators. Please expand on this this whole this whole concept of unconscious sure. mind, conscious, and the subconscious mind. What's the difference after that between some people say unconscious, some say subconscious. So if you could just lay the groundwork there, that would be wonderful. Well, the unconscious is pretty well self-defined. It's what's not conscious. Subconscious 
is a borderline between unconscious and conscious. It's right, it's right on the edge of consciousness. Like you get a little thought and it disappears. That's mm. in the subconscious. Um, the unconscious runs everything. The reason, well, I won't say the reason, it's the fit with the world. Most people aren't aware of the incredible complexity of the world. Take a simple situation like you decide you're going to, pick, going to go on a picnic with your family. There are a number of variables there. Where are you going to go? Do all the members want to go? Uh, do you have the food in the refrigerator in the house that you want to take? How's the weather? Uh, driving time, do you have the time? And so forth. In that kind of a situation, when you look at cybernetics, there are literally um, millions of alternatives, mm. literally. Now, given that the conscious mind of most people can handle a maximum of three things at once, um, that's not a good fit. Millions versus three. <laughs> Let me give you an example of the limitation of the conscious mind. Look at the corner of the room you're in. That's in three dimensions. Length, width, and height, right? Mm -hmm. No problem. Now, try to hold a picture of that simultaneously of that room at midnight and right now. Can you do that simultaneously? Like dimensions, length, width, and height. Yeah. And that's only four dimensions. Mm -hmm. The conscious mind just isn't fit, a mm -hmm. fit to the world. In fact, <clears throat> it's a video screen, so to speak. Everything that comes into the conscious mind comes from the unconscious. It's like the flow of an immense river, you might call it the stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it runs everything. Think about when um, you learn how to read or when you've watched a child learn how to read. It's really a four or five year process. You've got to learn that certain sounds have meanings and those meanings are associated with names and those names are associated with these funny squiggles on paper that you learn are called letters. Some of those squiggles are significant, some aren't. Some combination of those letters are associated with the verbal sounds you already have identified and so forth. But now when you look at a book, you don't go through all that. You just look at the book. You know what it says. Mm -hmm. The unconscious is doing that. You've, through a lot of effort, created unconscious habit patterns. Same thing with driving a car or walking mm -hmm. and so forth. So everything we do is done unconsciously. They've now been able to track that using functional MRIs. And for example, 
when you decide to stand up. Your muscles, the unconscious tenses and muscles in preparation up to 10 seconds before you think you're consciously deciding to get up. Wow. What you're really doing is getting the whole thing going unconsciously. Then the unconscious pops into your conscious mind a thought, get up. And you say, okay, and you stand up. Now, given that the unconscious runs everything, and given nobody's ever taught us how to manage our unconscious mind, a lot of what we want consciously seems impossible because we don't have how know how to manage the system that makes it happen. In my book and in my teachings, I teach you exactly how to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's just talk about that too. Like you know, when you talked about the stream of consciousness. That how how do we separate you know the messages we receive from our unconscious and separate these from this overwhelming flow at times that some of us even I'm an empath I get a lot of it even during the night um, from that stream of consciousness that's always flowing. Well, actually, you focus on something and you get more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've all had the experience of getting an aha. And you say, we say to ourselves, I'll write that down later and you forget it. Mm -hmm. And you just don't get it back. That's because you didn't frame or grab a hold of that message from the unconscious right away. So the way you sort things out so that your conscious gets what you want from your unconscious is by focusing on it. Let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, headaches or pains or anything else are messages from the unconscious trying to get your conscious attention. And if you focus properly, the headache or pain goes away and you get the message. Give me an example. Um, Some years ago, I went with my wife. She had a white BMW and it was leased. The waste was running out. Had to go to the dealer and decide what you wanted to do. New car, renew the lease or whatever it might be. So I'm a car nut. I used to race Porsches. Wow. (laughs) I was one of those, you know, I either won or I didn't finish. Very (laughs) little in between. Um, And racing is a lot of fun when you have the uh, reflexes now being um, 84. I don't have those reflexes anymore. But um, we were at the BMW dealer and it was a warm day. It was about 80. Um, I left Gloria, my wife, to go look at cars because I didn't want to influence her. I didn't, I don't really like BMWs. I used to have three of them. <laughs> and 
I had three homes. I had a car in each place. Um, and so I didn't want to influence her. So I wandered around. There were a couple of saleswomen and a salesman sitting together. And I wandered up to them. And I'm not great. I have Asperger's. I've had it all my life. I don't connect naturally the way other people do. So I wandered up with a kind of lame line. I said, hi, warm day, isn't it? But nice. How are you feeling? And one of the women said, it's not warm, it's hot, and I have a terrible headache. Do you have anything for it? I said, I don't have any medicine, but if you want to try something wacko, I can get rid of your headache. And she kind of looked at me, like, who's this crazy nut? And then she said, well, okay. And so I led her through a focusing activity. I said, imagine the color, the headache is a color. And write that down. She said, it's red. And I said, imagine it has a liquid volume. How much water would it take to fill it up? And she said, 103 gallons. Write that down. And um, what temperature would you imagine it is? Imagine touching it. And she said, 132. I said, is that Fahrenheit or centigrade? She says, Fahrenheit. Write it down. And is it making a sound? And she says, it's making a terribly annoying out of harmony sound, a screech. I said, write it down. So we went through that a couple cycles, same thing. And third cycle, what's the color? There's no color, it's clear. Well, what's the liquid volume? No volume. It's nothing there. Well, how about temperature, body temperature? And the sound? Oh, it's just kind of harmonious, shushing, a serration sound like leaves. I said, how's the headache? And she said, it's gone. I said, okay, that's the first thing. Now, the headache was carrying a message. So focus on your heart chakra in the center of your chest and say, what was the message? And she jumped up. She said, it's drink two glasses of water. She got two glasses of water, came back. I said, how do you feel? She said, fine. All she did in that was to focus on and get the message from the unconscious. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. So that would be your your two tools, which is creating imaginary experience process and the color process that you did with that lady. Yeah. And that works with pains and headaches and so forth. Um, I teach you in the book and I teach you in my trainings how to consciously communicate with your unconscious in English, whatever your natural language is. So you can say, what are you trying to tell me with the pain? It says, go drink two glass of water. And it's like picking up the phone when it's ringing, the ringing stops. 
and the headache stops. So you first in my work, just learn to communicate with the unconscious, which of course makes the unconscious conscious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let, let's with that, and thank you for that example, with our conscious and our unconscious mind talking to each other so they're in harmonious alignment, do, tell us what blockers are to start. And then how do we know, like when we ask our unconscious or I'm getting this mixed up. Yeah. You're unconscious, you know, what's that headache about, or what's that pain? Would a blocker maybe come up and, and give you false evidence of what that is? Like not the real answer. Does that happen in the process? Very seldom, but there's an easy way to check it out. Okay. If, I think of the unconscious as comprised of millions of subpersonalities. Each one can express a skill or an out of date skill that's called a blocker. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example of what I mean by a blocker. You're an infant, you need to get food. It's a matter of life and death. So you got to have to get your parents' attention. What do you do? You reach into the collective unconscious and pull out the same thing. All babies do the same thing. They scream. They wave their alarms and lights around. And they turn red in the face. I've got three kids. I'm sorry, five kids. Uh And so I know all about that. (laughs) Now, that's a really successful thing for an infant. You scream, and pretty soon, somebody comes running. Mm-hmm. Now, the good news and the bad news is that these unconscious habit patterns, like screaming to get attention in a survival situation, persist forever unless you change them. So we'll say Henry, who was the infant, the example, is now 43 years old. He just blew a big client in his job because he made a mistake. And he's in hot water with his boss. So he has a meeting with the boss. The boss is considering firing him. And he says to Henry, I'm thinking of firing you. Tell me three good reasons why I should keep you. And Henry says, blah, 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 blah. His voice is rising. It's getting louder and louder. (laughs) He's pounding the table to make his points. And he's getting red in the face. Guess what? That's the same unconscious habit pattern that Henry the infant had. Except this time, doesn't work. He gets fired. Now, poor Henry doesn't know why he's pounding the table or why his voice is rising because it's done unconsciously. However, it's rather easy to take the memory of that situation and track back through time to the origination point of that unconscious habit pattern when he was an infant and 
through his imagination, change the unconscious habit pattern to what is currently appropriate. So he might change it to saying to the boss, well, I think I do a lot of good things. Can you think of three things that I do well? And the boss says, sure, blah, blah, blah. And he said, can you think of five more things I do well? Yeah, actually, sure. And then Henry might say, has set up to say, well, do you think that I could integrate those things I do well into better handling the situation where I blew it? And the boss says, that's exactly what I want you to do. Can you give me an example of doing that? Henry says, sure. Blah, 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 blah. The boss says, that's great. Uh, you get do that, and you get a 10 on your next performance review. Now, Henry can set up, through an imaginary experience, the way he'd like to handle that situation currently that would previously have triggered the blocker pounding on the table, screaming, getting red in the face. Until his unconscious is what I want you to do. And from then on, in that situation where he would otherwise have expressed a childhood example, he expressed this new thing. And it happens automatically. Unless he keeps a journal, he won't know he's doing it. He'll just know things are going a lot better. Make sense? Mm-hmm. So that's creating a new, a new imaginary experience of um, from what, like what you want now. You don't want to experience that anymore. What you, you know, no. from your child, you want this new one, and you move through that blocker. When when he moves through that, is there any going back, or once you do that breakthrough or that shift, or you know, through your cybernetic transposition process, can anyone fall back into an old way of being with habits and beliefs and yeah. No, you won't fall back. Once nope. The, every part of the unconscious has its only purpose of making you successful. It's just when expressing a blocker, it's out of date. When you update it, it takes the new instructions and does it. Mm-hmm. And that until you change it, if you do, it'll do that. Yes. Maybe. Six years later, that doesn't work for you anymore. So then you change it again. Perfect. But once you change it, it'll stay that way until you change it again. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good news. So how does somebody... It works well. Yes, yes. Well, you've worked with millions and millions of people around the world and uh, the kind of results, as we said in the intro that you know, I found that very interesting how the people that learned how to use cybernetic transposition to earn $2 million a year. Uh, wow. I, I was just saying to my husband, Cliff Stewart, that I've done a lot of courses through the years and lots of training and core belief work and you name it. And I thought, 
oh, I wish I had found Stuart stuff years ago. I, could, I said, can you imagine $2 million a year? That would open up a lot of possibilities. So I might still do your training, Stuart. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, we'll try the book first. Yes, I'll do the book first, and thank you. How does somebody then develop a properly formatted, clear CT, I'm calling it, which is cybernetic transposition objective, and then turn that into a very precise unconscious target? Uh, There you hit one of the toughest part of the whole thing. (laughs) People have typically a tremendous number of blockers that prevent them from asking what they really want for what they really want. Mm-hmm. You know, um, hard work produces results. Uh, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Mm-hmm. All the things get pounded into your unconscious. And of course, if they come from your parents, when you're small, they're taken as true. Um, So that's a way a lot of blockers arise. The truth of the matter is when your conscious and unconscious minds are in alignment, things are easy. Easy is good, I tell people, because it is feedback from your unconscious your conscious and unconscious mind are aligned. They're mm-hmm. not wasting energy by fighting each other. They're not making life difficult. They're just easy. Life is so easy when you're aligned. And that's feedback that you're on track with what's appropriate for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talk about the unconscious life plan. I've been a spiritual student ever since I had near-death experience. I met God. I decided to come back to this life to finish what I came here to do. Although I can tell you the other side is a lot nicer. (laughs) And I've been doing that for 40 odd years now. Uh, My latest is a technique to save the world. We are now in our Megadon. Um, basically, if you read the news every day, it gets worse. The Ukraine situation, people starving in uh, Africa because of the disruption of the logistics and the weather um, and so forth, uh, we are really heading towards self-destruction if we don't do it through nuclear uh, means. Uh, there are lots of other ways that we've developed to destroy humanity. And in fact, that's my current objective to um, save the world. A big, big, big why, big vision. Well, and I, I need can... a lot of people to help me, but I've yes. got a very specific process yes. that works. I don't know you, whether you follow U.S. politics, 
But about, let's six or eight weeks ago, there was a big hoorah uh, in Congress. Joe Biden, the president, had what I call the environmental bill that I thought was quite important to reversing uh, global warming and other important aspects. And it was stuck because there's a 50-50 split in the Senate and there was one Senator, Joe Manson, who said, I'm not gonna vote for it. I'm gonna vote against it. So <clears throat> that I felt was a critical thing. So I used my uh, techniques I've developed to save the world on Manson. And five days later, New York Times says, an impossible, remarkable reversal. Manson's turn 180 degrees. He says he'll not only vote for the bill, but he will point out how it is important for everybody else to support it. It works. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you, that's amazing. Five days later. Yeah, he, it's very fast. You remember um, back when John F. Kennedy was killed? Are you old enough for that? Mm -hmm. I'm 64. Yeah, I was young, but. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're a park kid. I'm 84. <laughs> My husband's 74. So there we go. 60, 70, 80. <laughs> nice, nice Forbes. Yes. Okay. So um, Johnson used to be a foam-at-the-mouth, rabid racist. I mean, if you read some of the things that he said, it would shock you how intensely racist was. He, for example, uh, spoke on the floor of the Senate um, opposing an anti-lynching bill. Um, I, you know, U.S. history, white people used to lynch, uh, hang black people. And he really um, was outrageous that way. So he did not at all support Kennedy's um, civil rights bill. Um, he was hated by all the people around Kennedy. Kennedy was assassinated. Mm -hmm. There was an outpouring, at least half the people in the country had voted for him, and there was an outpouring of grief. Well, what's grief? Grief is loving expressed in the form of missing someone who's no longer present. So it was an outpouring of loving by 65 million people. And in five days, it changed Johnson from a rabid racist to the strongest supporter of racial equality since Abraham Lincoln. Mm. In five days, he 
addressed both houses of Congress saying we have to enact Kennedy's civil rights. And he pushed it through. He was very good at pushing things, things through Congress. Pushed it through in six months. Now, the loving dissipate over time because people get used to things. So shortly after that, he was back to his old kind of rabbit self. And he supported the creating a war in Vietnam. Mm. You can change people now pretty easily. It takes maybe 10 minutes a day. If we get a million people doing 10 minutes a day, you'll change the world. But you then have to lead people, those leaders, into making concrete, persistent changes like civil rights legislation, persistent. And you need to change things persistent. I'm working on Putin, for example, but I'm not enough. I need another 10,000 people working on him. But I'm working on him to stop the Ukraine war. Mm -hmm. And rebuild Ukraine. Um, if we get enough people doing it, that's great. And this book, Make Your Life a 10, is the first of four stages in making that happen. Mm -hmm. Make your life a perfect 10, get enough people doing that, it'll resonate, and other people will start making their lives a perfect 10. Mm -hmm. And then they'll be ready to go on. Anyway, I'm getting off track. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. That's okay, Stuart. Mm -hmm. this, this is your passion. This is your vision. So um, this is about a heartfelt conversation. And I just like it to flow where it flows. And so thank you for sharing that. I also hold Ukraine and Russia and other parts of the world in my meditation prayer I do every day to hold for peace and harmony and um, and for the families. So I do a lot around that, not your process like that, but I'm going to start doing it. That's just excellent. So you talked about the force. Oh, sorry. You just, did you want to go somewhere there? Oh, yeah. I'll send you some emails, four emails to tell you how to do it the way I do it. Thank you, Stuart. I would appreciate that. Talk about in your process here, uh, what is your success team? How do people create their success team to support them in their, their goals and their well, objectives? You've got some sub-personalities in your unconscious who create and have created your greatest successes. So you find them. And then you find the sub-personalities who've created your greatest failures. Now, you have to realize that in order to create a great failure, which is the opposite of great success, these subpersonnels have to know how to create great successes, or they couldn't create the opposite. Does that make sense? Yeah, explain on that a bit more. I think uh, if you could expand on that, that would help. Okay, let's take um, the guy who's talking about who lost his job by pounding on the table and so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. Henry. Henry. 
Right. <laughs> okay. Henry knew how to get himself fired. That was certainly for most people would have been a great failure. <clears throat> but the same subpersonality knew how to make a great success. And in the example I gave you, Henry knew how to reprogram that subpersonality. So what you do is you collect seven subpersonalities that are already able to and set up to create great, great, great successes. And then you take seven subpersonalities who created your greatest failures and you reprogram them through a process I call the subpersonality negotiation, which causes them to regress to their most basic job, which is always very spiritual, very loving, like self-acceptance, joy, loving, upliftment, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And from that perspective, they then pull in subpersonalities to do the blocker, the positive aspect of the blocker jobs. And suddenly you have a team of subpersonalities who are focused on doing the opposite of the blocker. That's one way of reprogramming the subpersonality from creating great failures to creating great successes. That makes sense? Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. And so you take both these sets, put them together into a team that will persist whose job is to make you extremely successful at whatever you focus on consciously. So, for example, I use my success team to create parking spaces. <laughs> I go places, oh, for example, my audiologist, I have hearing problems. My audiologist is located at the corner of La Brea and Sunset Boulevard. Parking there is, shall we say, incredibly difficult. Challenging. <laughs> so I just imagine a perfect parking space there that's legal. Then I tell my success team, please create that. And whenever I get there, uh, the parking space is already vacated or somebody is vacating it. I can't remember the last time when I didn't get a parking space. So mm -hmm. your success team can do a lot of things for you. It's part, I use it for helping to achieve seemingly impossible objectives. You set up, you focus, you asked me before, how do you decide what to go on? Choose mm -hmm. as an objective. I think you did. And basically the easy way to choose the objectives is to think of what happened today in your life. 
What's the first thing that pops in? For myself? Um, oh, sorry. You're just going through the exercise. <laughs> well, you know, what pops into your mind? What's the first thing that pops up? Mind? Yeah, the first thing that came to me is our, our six-month-old kitten. So that was the first thing that came to me. Okay, and then, what about yeah. your kitten? Uh, very curious, very makes us laugh, gets into trouble. His name's Charlie. He's either good boy Charlie or Charlie who's out to <laughs> be extremely curious. <laughs> so, Okay. So it sounds from your tone of voice like you'd rate that pretty high at a 1 to 10 scale where 10 is perfect for you. Mm-hmm. Did I get it? Yeah, it's up there. When he's mischievous and getting in trouble, it's more like a nine, but he's a kitten. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> now, imagine a perfect version of that. Mm-hmm. How you would really like it to be. What would be a 10? 10 would be Charlie not ruining our furniture. We have a really nice couch. <laughs> so he doesn't claw the couch. Okay, nope. so not... See, you don't want to put a knot. A knot. No, no. Okay. So what would be a perfect 10 for Charlie? Charlie walking around the couch. Charlie staying on the floor. Um, You know, Charlie just being loving and playful. Wonderful. Okay, that's a 10. So you, the as is only a 9. You write down a 10 version of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you think of the next thing. What's the next thing that comes up in your life from today? Looking forward to interviewing you, Stuart. Okay. Is that, how would you rate that? That was a 10. I do right. a lot of, you yeah. Write that down, that's mm-hmm. a 10 the way it is. Mm-hmm. And you go through the day and if you're typical, you come up with five or six or seven non-redundant situations. And if they're less than a 10, you come up with a perfect alternative, a 10 like you did with Charlie. So now you have for today, either a 10 as is or a 10 perfect alternative. And that would be a wish list for today. And you do that for yesterday and you do that for last weekend and so forth. And pretty soon you run out of non-redundant situations. And that's your unconscious telling you these are the things that are either making your life wonderful or sharply reducing the quality of your life. Mm -hmm. So the ones that are sharply reducing the quality of your life, you pick the one of those that would most positively impact your quality of life if you manifested the perfect alternative of that. And that is where you focus your objective. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, And Mm-hmm. So you take that and you use my technique to achieve it. Then you go back to your list and you say to your unconscious, are there any more today or other day this year 
situations I should add to this list. You maybe get two or three more, and you come up with either an as-is 10 or a perfect alternative 10. And then you say to your unconscious, which one of these would most improve my quality of life? And that's your next objective. And pretty soon, within a few months, you don't come up with any of those that are less than a 10. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Your life is a paradise on earth. Mm-hmm. Everything's a 10. Isn't that lovely? Thank you, Stuart. And that's that's the point. Make your life a 10. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> And live your best life. That's what this show is about, transformation and healing, inward sacred journey, uh, affecting the planet, raising the consciousness and vibration of the planet to not only heal Mother Earth, but humanity out to the universe and the galaxies. That's what I say every day. Now, this three memory validation process, what is that? And I guess, and again, our audience. You you kind of asked that before. Um, In essence, You say, for example, I'd like my most creative subpersonality to come forward. Okay. And in my imagination, a subpersonality pops up, and I have a visual of him. Um, Well, actually, it's him, her. It has male and female characteristics. Um, And it's my imaginary experience is this part painting a beautiful painting and creating a beautiful scene and writing a book. It's going bloop, 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 bloop all these lovely creative things. And I say, are you my most creative part? And it says, yes. Well, you know, sometimes subpersonalities respond to words differently than you would consciously. So I want to check this out. So I say, please give me three memories of times where you demonstrated this great creativity through me. And it says to me, well, when you wrote the second Wake Up Call book in two months, and when you came up with your great um, spaghetti with meat sauce recipe that people last night said was fabulous. And when you came up with a great fried chicken recipe that people say are fabulous. I like cooking. I know. I read that in the book. I love to cook too, Stuart. So you like Mexican food. I think you also stated it. Well, anyway, so (laughs) then I look at these examples. Okay, first one. Yeah, two months, yeah. I woke up thinking of the book. I worked until three or four in the morning on the book. Got it done. Satisfied. 
with it as a first draft in two months. Great. That, mm-hmm. Yep, you did that. Okay. How about spaghetti sauce? Are you kidding? It's the best I've ever tasted. Sure. Good creativity. And how about fried chicken? You kidding? Of course. Okay. Those three memories demonstrate to me that this subpersonality is really creative. And that's what the three memory process is about. It's just getting an experience or confirmation that the subperson can do what it says it can do. Thank you for expanding on that. I think that's going to be helpful for the listeners. You you state that it's important never to discuss your objective with anyone else in any way before you have it, not with your business partner, the love of your life, your parents, your friends, your siblings. Why yeah. is that? In your opinion, why is that? Because the rain on your parade, mm-hmm. there's a good chance that given the number of blockers that have been instilled in us, when somebody says, I'm going to do X, what's the first thing that usually comes into your mind? Oh, no, no, there's a problem with that. You won't mm-hmm. be able to. If they express that, they may trigger a resonant blocker that you have that'll block you from achieving your objective. Um, They may just simply rain on the parade and trigger a blocker that makes you feel bad or Mm -hmm. inadequate. Or they may cancel the block of the objective in your unconscious. Mm -hmm. It would be bad for you to achieve that. So, why would you want to make life hard for yourself? You're trying to do things <clears throat> that may think are impossible or have been impossible for you. And you don't need any help in making them harder to do. So don't invite people to rain on your parade. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Because you might then get into the whole thing of uh, whatever, getting into a conversation and saying, defending what you want. (laughs) And that's just kind of nuts in some ways. Now, you talk about, you know, I I just wanted to ask you, because I was, I think some other people might have this question when they think make a life of 10, maybe they think, hey, I want to win the lottery. But in your process, you're supposed to leave the how, let's say, this is how I say the how to the universe or you're not giving your subconscious mind the opportunity to present in many ways. You're saying, I want to win the lottery, period. Do you have people that ask you about that? Yeah. (laughs) I tell people you can't, um, just a second, it screwed something up. Yeah. Um, You, there's some things that, are inappropriate to try to achieve this way. Uh, The odds of winning the lottery, one of the big lotteries are between 293 million and 340 odd million to one against it because there are that many people who are 
also trying to win the lottery. And so the um, question is, is it appropriate to prevent those other people from getting what they want in order for you to get what you want? In my opinion, no. And typically your unconscious will prevent you from doing that unless there is an extremely good reason. So I don't support people trying to win the lottery. Mm -hmm. I think it was if it was reframed, let's say the lottery was you're winning a house or a car or money or whatever. If you if you were really your target and objective was really you you would like to you know see a knit like you said you had three homes you know I'd like to have a summer home or a, a boat or whatever yeah. that is focus on it that way and it may come yeah. through the lottery may come through another way I want you to share your story you have several you know sitting by somebody in a plane and then that person's a CEO of that and you did business with them and that you more or less created that situation and you did all the time as you traveled quite extensively. Also, the story with you writing to the UK, then then Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, what happened there? Just it's a fun story. So if you can share that, that would be I think that'd be fun. That's two stories, so I'll tell them both. Yes. Um I have a process I call the perfect partner process. Now, you can use it to find a perfect romantic partner, a perfect business partner, perfect prospect. Um I used it to find my wife, Gloria. Um, I have 32 specific characteristics that I wanted in my perfect romantic partner. One of them was practically perfect in every way. Thank you, Mary Poppins. (laughs) Um, One was a successful entrepreneur. And... Gloria is a 10 on all of them. Um, So you can also do that for clients. And I used to do that process to create my perfect client sitting next to me in the airplane. I used to fly around the world once a month for 10 years. Uh, I had clients all around the world. typically CEOs of big companies or uh, next step down leading significant organizations. And I would simply set up to have sitting next to me a CEO or someone who could give me a half million to $2 million contract sitting next to me on the airplane who would really be aligned with what I was teaching. And I'd have these funny experiences. I used to fly first, but thanks to my clients. And I'd have these funny experiences. There'd be a person sitting in a seat. They'd move to another seat. I'd say, aha, they'd end up sitting next to me. And I was pretty sure this was them. And um, 
So you know how conversations go. Where are you going? What do you do? So forth and so on. And usually they'd say, well, I'm CEO of this company or I'm leading this group doing that. Or I'm an entrepreneur. I just started a new venture backed by so-and-so. And they'd say, what do you do? And I say, oh, I teach people to achieve seemingly impossible things. <laughs> what seems impossible for you? That was my elevator pitch. Yes, yes. And I could tell almost instantly whether they resonated with that. If they did, they'd say, tell me more. And I'd give them a war story, an example. And I'd say, now, what's impossible, it's impossible for you? And they tell me usually about their business, something. And I'd say, I can teach your or your people to handle that very successfully. Um, sales are down. I can teach your people how to multiply their sales by three to eight times in a year. Would that interest you? Here's how I do it. And usually I get off the plane with a verbal contract and an agreement to meet to formalize it. And my closer would be, well, I'll be back here in four weeks. Let's set up an appointment. Bang. And that made the Flight's much more important, enjoyable for me. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the Margaret Thatcher, uh, I had a friend in England, Annie. Uh, I had met her in a human potential training called Insight. That's very good. It awakens loving and spirituality. And Annie called me one day and said, I was just in the House of Commons listening to Margaret Thatcher, and she needs your help. And I said, in what way? And Annie told me she has this big problem with the union. She says she needs to revitalize the economy, <clears throat> etc. So I did what I call psychic negotiation with Margaret Thatcher, which is bring her into an imaginary space and talking with her. And I said, I heard that blah, blah, blah. And here's what I can do for you. And we, I gave her my 10 version of that, handed it to her. That wasn't a 10 for her. She modified 10 to me for her, gave it back to me. We had a 10. I said, what's the best way to get in touch with you to get a contract to help you with this? And she said, write to me. So I did. I wrote a one and a half page letter, sent it off by FedEx. I put my friend's Annie phone number in there and said, here's a local person you can contact. Because I knew Annie really connected with people. And 
a week and a half later, I had the contract for, I think it's about $250,000 to train um, the, let me go back a little bit. The problem we're focused on was that the labor unions were headed by what I would call Leninist leaders. Lenin, Stalin was a pussycat compared to Lenin. And these guys are trying to bring down the British economy, I assume, in collusion with the Soviet Union. And um, there were massive strikes and unreasonable demands. So I trained um, managers who dealt with the unions, senior middle level managers to do what's in my book, Make Your Life 10, and also to do psychic negotiation. And within six months, all of the Leninist labor leaders had been replaced with more reasonable people and there was labor peace. Who'd replaced them? The rank and file. So that's how it works. Those are great real life stories. <laughs> oh, yep. sir, there's so many. Your, your book has jammed packed with so much information and we are going to put the link there for everyone. I think everyone should go purchase the book. There's, you give a lot of beautiful gifts in there too. And by sharing your own personal story, we couldn't get to them all today because there's other ones I wanted to get to, you know, we could have you back maybe 2023 and we could go through more because I think this, this message, as we said earlier, is really important and how you're also looking to, you know, your intention for world peace. Um, Stuart, for today, um, I'd love you to share your special gift that you'd like to give to our listeners today. And again, all the, the links to, to Stuart, his book, um, will be below in the show notes. My special gift. Well, if um, they want to go to my website, stuartlickman.com, you can get a free book on becoming luckier. Little free ebook. And if you really want to go for it, um, <clears throat> I have a, what shall I call it? I call it my trade books for training. Um, you can buy. 25 copies of Make Your Life at 10 to give away to other people in ways that I will explain. And I will give you a training that I sell for $12,500 called the Super Entrepreneur Training Free. How's that? That's, that's, that's wonderful. Now, if you want to do that, here's my email. S as in Sam, A as in Apple, L as in Light, I as in Ice, C as in Charlie, H as in Harry, T as in Thomas, M as in Mother, A as in Apple, 
AndersonNancy at gmail.com. S.A. Lickman at gmail.com. And write to me saying, I'd like to do the trade books for training. And I'll tell you exactly how to do it. Or if you just want to get one copy of the book, go to Amazon, make your life a 10. Is your search term. Ah, that's wonderful, Stuart. Stuart, thank you for sharing from your heart and soul, your wisdom on make your life a 10 using your unconscious mind today. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you. We're nice meeting you. You too. Thank you for listening to the Heart Soul Wisdom Podcast with Moira Sutton. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please join our community at moirasutton.com and continue the discussion on our Facebook page, Create the Life You Love. You will be part of a global movement connecting with other heart-centered people who are consciously creating the life they love on their own terms. Together, we can raise our consciousness for the greater good of humanity and for our planet.